the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. I'm Tom Fernelli. He's Bud Elliott. He's Danny Cannell, and uh, we're waiting for Chip Patterson to join us. He will be here, assuming his computer ever does restart. He sent us a text that said, my computer's running slow. I am restarting, and we decided we didn't want to wait for him because, eh, you know, he's Chip. Not that important, I don't think. Um, We're going to get to win totals today, big 12 win totals. But before we do that and before Chip gets here, make sure you hit the like button on this video if you're watching us live and joining us. And also, hit that subscribe button because that way next time Chip is running late, You'll get a notification if you're subscribed to the channel that lets you know he's finally showed up and the show has started. So that way you don't have to sit around and wait. Although we do appreciate all of our viewers who are showing up to our YouTube channel and commenting and having an entire conversation going like 20 to 25 minutes before the show even starts. It's great to see. It makes us feel good. So thank you for doing that. Uh, It also makes me feel good to see your beautiful shining faces. After being on vacation last week, I was gone, bud. Currently traveling the globe in airline hell, getting delayed and sitting there waiting for his bags to show up. Danny, you're back home from your nice little vacation in the mountains of North Carolina. But how are you doing right now? Hi, I know you had a late night. You were out all morning trying to get your, you know, get to Charlotte. How, how's that working for you? I'm caffeinated. Uh, so there, there, there is that. I'm going to ask, uh, ask the, this. I'm probably going to switch rooms because I can't get the enhanced Wi-Fi to work. So we'll see how, how I don't think I ever... I don't want to be that traveler, right? But the AC doesn't work and is loud, which is kind of a bad combo. And if you have poor internet, loud and not working AC, it's not really great for streaming college ball content from a hotel room in the summer. But other than that, uh, pretty good. Delta didn't lose my bag. They just, uh, you know, it took a long time to to get there and I got it. So we are, uh, we're good. I could be digging ditches today and I'm not. I want to know how, how did the first 18 hole round of golf go? Uh, it went very well, honestly, considering what I expected it to do. Like I, I brought probably like 30 golf balls with me thinking it was going to be one of those days. Lost one ball. That's it. And the only ball I lost was on the 17th in the drink on my approach. In the, it was right into the right of the green. I sliced it a little bit. It went in, whatever. I dropped and started, but shot a 107, which I think I'm told is pretty good. And then I also had my very first par, uh, par five, 482 yards. Three absolute, perfect drive down the middle of the fairway. Perfect second shot down the middle of the fairway. Got my iron right on the green about 10 feet away. Biffed the birdie putt. And then a nice little tap in for par. So it was good. It was very fun. It was very hot. And I've got a tee time scheduled for 10 a.m. again tomorrow morning. So, you know, that's how Yeah, (laughs) I like it. He's got the bug. I guarantee you, your round, if you streamed it, would have been more entertaining than the British Open, which was a runaway... (laughs) Just bore fest, snooze fest, because it was never in doubt. So yeah, live stream that bad boy. Let's go. I, you know, I am. I've I've currently got the solo scheduled for tomorrow. We'll see if that sticks. If I'm solo, I'll I'll do it. I don't care. I mean, there you <laughs> go. Does Does Lynn work remote? Because if so, yeah. maybe she could ride along in the cart with you, and and you know, 
I, I commentary theater. I'll be like, you know, you could just carry my bag and <laughs> walk the course. But right now with the dog, we can't leave the dog home alone for three and a half, four hours. So, yeah. But no, I, I have definitely pitched that idea to her and we're hoping to do that in the near future. Uh, Danny, how is North Carolina? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I'm headed right back there to Charlotte to meet up with the, uh, these guys for ACC media days. So, uh, yeah. And in fact, I don't want to badmouth any airline. But I am on the same airline and I already got the flight delay update, which I guess it's better because it actually is delayed. There's nothing worse. Like then you have a four o'clock in the afternoon flight and you get an update at like 5 a.m. They're like flight delayed. I'm like, how does that happen? And uh, clearly they're a little short staffed there, I think, is the problem. But as long as I get there tonight, I'm good. And Chip, how's your computer doing? Oh, man, it was not happy to be woken up. I think that my I really think my computer was uh, was had a big weekend, right? You know, I, I like shook it up. The last thing that it, it had been talking about was sports line early edge on a Friday. And he was, they'd been sleeping all week. Whoa, 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 whoa. You want to load video and audio now? <laughs> Can't do this at the last minute. Apologies. Thank you for, uh, for getting everything started. Um, where we at? We, we started talking. Awesome. Tom, we're Tom 107 in his first, yeah, we, we're just vamping about golf. Uh, basically, uh, we, we started six minutes late and we've done four minutes of golf related content and then two, two minutes of uh airline related content. Yeah, yeah. and welcome back to <laughs> podcast here on CBS Sports. All right, bud, you were at Pac 12 Media Days, you, you got yourself a little airtime. Did you know that? I did not, uh, but oh, what well, oh, well, I try to ask a question frequently and then say Bud Elliott from the Cover Three podcast, yeah, like they're straight. And there may, I don't know how many people watch the Pac-12 network, but whoever's watching it heard Cover 3 podcast. So That's if you guys was, are new to the show, welcome. Yeah, I was going to say that, uh, you know, you, you can get the Pac-12 network on some refrigerators, as we have discussed mm-hmm. before. Gas station pre, Yeah, preloaded <laughs> candles. And so uh, for you refrigerator owners with TVs in your fridges, welcome. Because, yeah, I, Bud, you were pumping up uh, the Cover 3 podcast. I was very excited about that. Uh, an interesting day in Las Vegas where they kind of bookended exactly what they wanted to show you with like the interesting stuff at the beginning and at the end. And then in the middle, I think all the writers went to the slot machines and the blackjack tables. Cause it definitely seemed like the questions in the middle were, were much less frequent, but you know, what were, what was the important stuff from uh, the event itself, whether it was hearing from a coach, hearing from a player uh, or, you know, talking to some of the other media members out there, what were some of the big takeaways from PAC 12 media days? All right. The, like the important PAC 12 media day takeaways. First of all, uh, George Klafkoff comes out there, the, the Pac-12 commissioner, and uh, announces that he will. there will not be a TV network announcement or TV deal announcement uh, today, uh, meaning, what was that, Friday? I think mm-hmm. it was. It was, mm-hmm. was Pac-12 media day. And, uh, and he wants the questions to focus on football. I don't think there was a single question that focused on football during his his op- open period, uh, at least not not in the first you know batch of questions. There were a lot of... Uh, follow-up questions because the way he phrased it was we will not be announcing our tv deal today because we want to keep the focus on football and then uh, uh james crapa who covers oregon used to cover auburn asked him like are, are, that language the way you phrase that kind of implies that you have a deal to announce but are sitting on it, it is that and he said i think you're reading too much into my phrasing and i was like well the, the phrasing is kind of weird then if you don't have a deal that that uh uh, that you are ready to announce, but are are, are sitting on it. Uh, let me see. Other important things from Pac-12 Media Day. I know our Brandon Marcello at 24-7 Sports reported they will consider a different number of conference game format uh, going forward. Uh, Klafkoff is confident that all the existing teams that are not already leaving or that are not already leaving for the Big Ten uh, are going to be sticking with the conference. Again, I mean, you could be confident, but until they have a deal, we don't really know what will happen there? Cam Rising, I saw him walk up the stage, looked around like any limp, you know, like that. I was looking for the limp, look, looking for the limp, looking for any kind of knee brace. And then I left the main media room because the Pac-12 does a great job of giving us full transcripts and video. So I went to go to, like you can get the guys one on one in between the main room and when they go to TV. So like I was able to chat up, you know, Caleb Williams. We have some cool content coming on our YouTube shorts page for Lincoln Riley. Uh, and I kind of broke down where he thinks Caleb Williams can get better. So be checking that out 
on the Cover 3 YouTube channel. And I talked to Cam, and I mean, this, this is probably going to go up. I don't know. I, I shot a bunch. We'll see wh- which, you know, which ones Jordan and, and Stoney like as far as the social content. He told me he's been throwing, and, and, and he, he expects to be ready. So uh, I know Utah, Kyle Whittingham had phrased it as sort of like a game-time decision-ish, basically. Uh, but he, he thinks he'll be ready. And this is a, a league with seven intriguing teams and five mm-hmm. that are sort of in some sort of stage of rebuilding. It's, it's pretty fun. It's a fun league. It's going to be a fun season. And I don't know if we'll be able to watch it on TV because that really is the biggest kind of, well, we'll be able to watch this year. But my favorite part about Klyovkov's comments was that he said something along the lines of the longer we wait, the more suitors we get. So at this point, probably every network that exists has submitted a bid for the Pac-12 because we've been waiting a very long time. Yeah. So would they go to eight games because they only have 10 teams? Is that the the notion of considering a different amount of conference games as opposed to going to like the old Big 12 with a 10-team league where you do a nine-team schedule and everybody plays everybody? Do they not want to do the round robin? Is that what I'm sort of sensing from that? I'm not sure because somebody asked if they add one more team, would they start playing 10 conference games? And basically, uh, Cloudcroft said, we're, we're not discussing schedule format changes uh, right now. But then Marcelo kind of kind of got the goods on the fact they will discuss some uh, some scheduling format changes. The thing, if, if they do go to eight, like they stick at 10 and they play eight, the one thing that could be trickier is like the Big Ten is going to have 14 teams. The SEC is going to have 14 teams. It's like... Who, how many non-con games are you going to be able to get against Power 5 competition at that rate if you've got four to fill on an annual basis? They might find it a little difficult. We might start seeing a lot of Cal-UConn games. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Mountain West is becomes a – like you can't get a Power 5. Mm-hmm. It'll be difficult to get the Power Conference, um, the Power Conference takeaways for sure. Or the Power, power 5 non-conference games – for sure. Um, anything Most else? Importantly, don't don't we need to know? I saw Bud at the window, like with a bag. Like I mean, he was carrying the bag. I want to know what bets were laid. I, I well, so I, I had to go cash my. Uh, I, I got fourth in the Golden Nugget and fifteenth in the Caesars. So you know, I had to, had to go pick up some winnings there and had some uh, had some tickets. Uh, did have some Arkansas State, uh, decent little stack of that. Did, did some kiosk jamming uh, last year. Uh, that, that, that for, at, at the MGM, you know, Park MGM, the Aria, a couple other places, I was able to grab some some Arkansas State under tickets last year, and I uh, was able to catch Fading that. Butch. So. Wait, so what is kiosk jamming? Are you just going from place to place book to the place, book. hammering mm-hmm. just like Max under go okay. print? Yeah, Max, well, under, go, so print. if you go to the counter and you're like, "Hey, I'd like this amount on a ball game," um, they might say no. Right, or, or or then move the line. Kiosk, if you know what you're doing, you, know, you got to hit in session, uh, start over again, smaller amounts, multiple times. You can get a little more down. <laughs> I love it. See, that's the information we needed. <laughs> so you just keep. You're, going. You know, if you're watching a college ball podcast in the middle of July, you you might. You might dig that info. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, congratulations on being able to collect your winnings. Uh, so you have a Jeremy Pruitt a, style, a Brinks plane <laughs> that is, has transported you from Las Vegas to Charlotte, or are you just rolling around Charlotte with uh, with, with Jeremy Pruitt McDonald's bags right now? No, I, I made a deposit. I'm not really like I, I, I'm not totally going Pruitt here. You know, yeah. um, although my, again, my ATM does not let me withdraw the 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 super rich accounts. That I mean, uh, Danny, you played in the NFL. What is your ATM limit? We, we, you were on the show. I want I want to ask. <laughs> I, don't, you I don't think like, it matters. You, I don't think. You, can you take out ten Gs? Thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. Yeah. So all yeah. Right. I don't think Before it matters. Start, you could be Elon like, Musk, and they're gonna be like, nope. No, this guy DM does. He's like, hey, if you if you're a person that makes millions every year, like you definitely could pull out a bunch. You know, I don't think a dude who's making like millions of dollars a year is going to his Chase ATM, though. You know what I mean? I think he's going That's to his financial Chase, pr- Chase private client, right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he's rolling up in his car to the drive-through. Five hundred like to make a withdrawal, please. No, he's better. He's going to five different ATMs so he can get out. You know, five grand. <laughs> Cash-driven lifestyle. 
I, I just imagined him as an old school guy with a regional bank, you know, mm-hmm. where like he literally could yeah. walk in and talk to like one person to get the flag lifted on his account just because, you know, that small, smaller little banks operate like that, right? You can make your way to the top of the food chain a little bit faster than you can with one of these big old national or global powerhouses. So I could see it. I could understand how it goes <laughs> coming out of the machine like that. <laughs> Um, all right, one other little old bit of news. Old dudes carry cash like crazy. Yes. What? O- old dudes carry cash like crazy. Yeah. That's absolutely. why I only rob old people. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing strategies uh, being passed along here on the Cover 3 podcast. One more news headline before we uh, hit the break and get to the business of the day with the first of our two editions of the Big 12 win totals. Um, former, f- excuse me, former Kentucky offensive lineman Keonta Goodwin five-star prospect, big signee for the Wildcats, transfers to Florida. But we find out over the weekend uh, via 24-7 Sports that he is not with the program, dealing with a family medical hardship. He is going back to Kentucky. He will be seeking a waiver to be able to play somewhere else. I I don't want to... I don't. I don't know his family. I don't know the Goodwin family like story. Obviously that's, you know, very, you know, upsetting and you wouldn't wish that for anybody in college football, but we have to get to the actual fallout from this, a player who is expected to be a starter for Florida's offensive line, an offensive line that lost two players to the NFL draft and, you know, is really going to be an important piece of success for the Gators this year. Um, what kind of hit does is this for Florida? And like, but I'll let you get first crack at this because I'm you've got a better feeling for their depth chart. Um, how do you how do you adjust our expectations for what the Gators are going to be able to do offensively with the loss of a player like Goodwin? Uh, well, first of all, you know, our, I, I know we all we all send our, our our prayers to his family. You know, if they're dealing with a you know, serious medical uh, situation, um, we, we hope everybody you know comes out of that just fine. Um, you know, with Florida, like I think Goodwin was was probably in the mix to start if he was on the roster. Um, I, my main concern for them is, is really the depth, right? So like you lose a Josh Braun, uh, very early in the portal season when it, when it wasn't a big deal, lose him, uh, or at least you didn't think it would be, he goes to Arkansas and and it's going to be a player at Arkansas. You you lose Michael Tarquin, who is going to be USC starting left tackle. You you lose Ethan White, who was a good player for you last year. He transfers to USC and it got medically disqualified or something happened there. You know, Cam Waits. Blows his Achilles. You took Michael Michael Makuza um, uh, from from Baylor, and he has a shoulder thing. I don't know. And then hit the portal, came out of the portal, or said he intended to transfer, and then didn't transfer. Still around. I think his status for the season is up in the air. Uh, so Florida wants to play bully ball, mm-hmm. right? They have they have Ricky Pearsall and and two freshman receivers, two true freshman receivers. It looks like they're probably going to have to rely on. And their whole thing is like, hey, Mertz can operate this system, do some RPO, run some play action. This the foundation of this is the run game. Well, I mean, they better stay healthy on that offensive line because that's a whole lot of guys that you've lost at this point now. And that doesn't mean their starters will be poor. They could be damn good. We don't know. And we've seen offensive lines stay healthy before, but that's not a not a great recipe to uh, enter the SEC season with. I think it's interesting with the Gators going into the season because I have the same concerns you do with how they're trying to play and then the depth issues that they seem to already be having and how that's going to impact them on the year. But then off the field, things are going, you know, as far as recruiting, they've been getting some momentum and doing pretty well. So it's going to be interesting to me. I'm not so much interested in Florida's win-loss total this year, although, I mean, I don't have the highest expectations for it, but I wouldn't be shocked if they do okay. It's going to be if they do struggle, how does that impact their momentum off the field? And I think if I'm a Florida fan, that's probably what I'm obviously you want to watch the games win games, but I think long term, big picture, you're probably more concerned about if they go like five and seven or six and six or seven and five, and it's kind of a you know, an, another ugly season, will they be able to hang on to the class they're currently putting together? I think also right. it's and this is not a knock against Florida. You you see it happen to Miami, Florida State. I mean, any top-tier program, if it gets off to a rough start, players that commit to Florida expect to be competing for SEC division titles at the very least. And even with Georgia there, you're still kind of hoping. If you start off and you lose to Utah on the road, you mm-hmm. lose to Tennessee at home and you're 2-2, two and two, You and that's, that's, I think, when you really find out, like, are players buying into Billy Napier? Are they buying in? And that's... 
the most challenging time as a coach to keep your players bought in. So I think that's kind of the story to watch out for. And as the offensive line goes, this is already an offensive line which struggled mightily in the spring game. I think they gave up nine sacks in the spring game. So, you I mean, Bud so alluded a really to great it. defense, Danny. Really great defense. <laughs> well, that's that's the positive spin. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, will be very interesting to follow. Again, the SEC win totals coming up in a couple of weeks here on the Cover 3 podcast. Florida sitting at five and a half. I mean, that is your debate and your pick on Florida's win total is do you think that they are bowling or is Billy Napier trying to lock down that 2024 class in December not being in the postseason? Going to be a fascinating proposition. Coming up on the other side, we're going to start to get the first group of the 14-team Big 12. Focus on Texas, Oklahoma, and then the four newbies, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU. All that and more next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. Those of you watching on YouTube.com slash Cover 3, got a nice little promo for the FedEx Cup. Poor Justin Thomas. I don't know how long he's going to be in the playoffs. Oh, rough season for our boy JT. Make him a Ryder Cup captain. I mean, I'd have to hit the Corn Ferry Tour for the year. Let's get out of here. All right. So, again, we are going to be splitting up the Big 12. First group will be the comings and goings. The two teams that are in their final year along with the four teams that are making their debut when we reconvene on Wednesday. We'll be having uh, the the auction winner for a guest appearance, but then also the remainder of the conference, the OGs, the ones that are going to stick around for the next era of Big 12 football. So, are you all ready to find out? Are you ready to welcome back to the show the general manager of Vanderbilt Football? As much as I think it's the, the under is a safe play, like I can't even... I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are gonna win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. We begin our look at the Big 12 with the top of the board. Texas Longhorns. Nine and a half wins at the Caesar Sportsbook this morning. Over. Pricey. Minus 145. If you like the under, you get a little plus 115. They have a non-conference schedule that includes Rice. What's up, JT Daniels? At Alabama and then Wyoming at home. Uh, The conference draw starts with uh, at Baylor, Kansas at home, then Oklahoma in Dallas for the Red River shootout. And as we always, you know, look at our 5-4 splits, that is a home game that Texas loses uh, in that neutral site. They return to action after a week off on October 14th and conclude the schedule at Houston, BYU at home, Kansas State at home, at TCU, at Iowa State, and then Texas Tech at home on Black Friday. Nine and a half wins. Steve Sarkeesian looking to improve from five and seven to eight and five. Is it 10 and two, Danny Cannell, or better? Yeah, I went over. I went to 10 and two. I think they have... Uh, Quinn Ewers, I think you've seen some maturation in him. I think also we saw a glimpse of what he can do when he's healthy. More importantly, if he's not healthy, they have quarterback depth this year. Uh, Even more so with Malik Murphy, the show that he put on. They've got good offensive line. They've got great skill position. Concerned on the defense somewhat. But as I'm going through the schedule, I was like, find me three losses. I could find you potentially two. But it's really hard to find a third. So I'm going to go over. If Texas is actually better than how it played last year, th- then it is hard to find three losses. If, if they're not, then, I mean, it's not hard to find three, four, or heck, this is a program that, that has lost five before. I, I am going to go over. Um, I think Texas is better on the lines of scrimmage than they've been 
in a long while. I think they have quarterback depth and and quarterback talent. I love their receivers, right? You, you, you get Worthy, you get A.G. Mitchell, you get Isaiah Nayor. Uh, defensively, I think they have a lot of, of talent and speed, but also some kind of important role players who, who are back that, that allow them to play the way that they want to play. Uh, it is not a comfortable feeling when your numbers say, hey, the real value here is betting Texas in the conference. <laughs> Damn it. Like, you got to be kidding me. But the, the recruiting ha- has trended up. Uh, now, we had a mailbag question we didn't get to the other day, which was like, if Sark doesn't win 10 games this year, is he just a, a, a coach that, that can't get a team to play with consistency every week? And yeah, it's I a great question. Said, be, this is year 10 of yeah. Sark as a head coach, and he has never won 10 games. If he doesn't if, get if yeah, if he goes eight and four this year, unless they have like the worst luck of all time, I, I think you'd pull the plug in the SEC, right? Like, like you, you need you need to cash this in against this schedule, the level of talent in this league versus the level of talent that you have recruited to Austin. This needs to be a cash it in year. Tom, I mean, they have the greatest quarterback of all time in <laughs> Quinn Ewers, so I, I I'm over. I don't know if Texas is back. I know we've I've been joking all offseason about like the college football playoff of all the teams being back, Texas being one of them. But when I do look at the schedule, like you guys have been saying, there aren't a whole lot of obvious losses on here. Like I look at that game at Alabama in week two, and I know we have lots of questions about Alabama going into the season, specifically at the quarterback spot. But no matter how much I kind of want to believe in Texas, I can't convince myself that oh yeah they're going to go into tuscaloosa and beat alabama so i think that's a loss i'm pretty confident that's going to be lost not saying they can't win it but i'm not going to pick them to they could lose that game to oklahoma obviously that's always a big rivalry game they could lose to kansas state but that's at home they could lose to tcu on the road but the rest of this schedule to me maybe texas tech at the end of the year coming off of two road games against tcu and iowa state they get kind of caught but i just see 10 and 2 being far more likely than 9 and 3 even if they aren't elite, I just think that talent-wise, they should be a 10-2 and two team compared to what they're facing in the rest of this league. So unless they suffer a bunch of injuries or they just have terrible coaching, it's hard for me to see them going 9-3. and three. But also, one other thing, Chip, you mentioned JT Daniels and Rice. It's Texas is playing the entire former USC QB room because let's not forget who the quarterback at BYU is now. Keen Slovis? Yeah. So <laughs> they're making the run through USC's old QB room this year. Do are we getting a discount on Texas because of its recent history? Because we're of getting its a recent discount, under, we're getting under a discount on Texas because they're yeah. playing Alabama. They play at Alabama, which yeah. then is an automatic loss in the eyes of a, an odds maker. And what I am sensing, as I am clean sweeping it here, I have also have Texas going over. Texas is back. Oh, God, I, they're going to. The I pod. hate this. Yeah, they're I, yeah. Oh, Texas pod. Hook them. <laughs> so all four losses during the regular season last year are one score losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 20, 19 to 20 to Alabama, 37, 34 at Texas tech, uh, 41, 34, Oklahoma state, 17, 10 TCU. It, they didn't get blown out by anybody. They are. That's why you flip the one. That's why the, all the power ratings still had them as a top 10 team, even though they were sitting there at eight and four and everybody was pulling their hair out. But the idea being that in terms of the overall quality, this was, Probably a 10-win team last year. You know, those they Texas was a better team probably than Oklahoma State. You know, they made, they got out coached against Texas Tech. That's where Steve Sarkeesian mm-hmm. and the coaching does, you know, definitely come into consideration. But I think they can win in Tuscaloosa. I think there are potential, you know, trip ups if they end up messing around like they did against Texas Tech last year at Baylor at TCU. I think that unlike the next team we're gonna play, this is one of the tougher big 12 draws that you could have and in terms of having the likes of a texas tech a tcu and a kansas state a baylor and oklahoma all on your conference schedule i mean they would love to see a lot more of you know west virginia houston cincinnati kansas byu but they're gonna have to do it against some of the best teams in the conference i think they're able to i i've got 10 i've got 10 and 2 as well did you guys see the uh dusty told me a stat this morning that because I mean, I think the narrative around Texas is oh, we've had them hyped up before and they've fallen short, like it makes you nervous. He said since 2009 that the preseason pick to win the Big 12, do you know how many times it's been Texas? None, right? Six, zero, 
which yeah, I was kind of surprised by, but it's never been Texas. So, like, as far as this type of hype and expectations, even though we get excited about them, no one has ever been in this position where most people are like, yep, Texas, this is their year, which I think, to Bud's point, does put a lot of pressure on Sark that this is the year they have to do it. Yeah, for like a while, we would be yeah. calling Texas overrated, but they were always starting the year like ranked 15 to 25. It's not like right. they were starting ranked in the top 10. So, minus one Should they be? Oh, go ahead. Should they be odds on to win the league? Like right now, they're still at plus money. I think they should be. I was saying don't lay 45 cents on the dollar on the win total. I would say take them to win the league because I feel like they should be getting to Dallas at a minimum. And if they do get there, who's got the better quarterback? Like who's got the better offense? Like if it turns into a who can score more in the Big 12 championship game, the answer is Texas. So you get plus one get there, they're favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do like that. Count them up. Moving on to the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma also sitting on nine and a half, minus 120 to the over, minus 110 to the under. Uh, non con, Arkansas, uh, Ar- Bud's beloved Arkansas State <laughs> opens up the season. Then you have SMU. Then you have at Tulsa. And this is where. We do mention that the other side of this Georgia-Oklahoma game getting canceled soft schedule debate has also impacted the Sooners. So the Sooners' non-conference schedule is quite cushy right there. But it is favorable even in the conference schedule as well because they start at Cincinnati, they get Iowa State at home, and then Texas is going to be obviously neutral in Dallas. Week off on the 14th of October, they return to action with UCF at home, at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, Uh, then West Virginia at home on November 11th at BYU, and then also finishing on Black Friday with TCU. Tom, what are we doing with the Sooners? This is another one where I'm not the most confident in it. I don't feel great about it, but I don't think Oklahoma was as bad as it was last year, or at least it shouldn't have been. And I'm wondering if maybe, you know, last year Brent Venable's first year as a head coach – like you see sometimes with players that freshman to sophomore leap where they kind of figure things out and they have a better idea of what to expect. Things run a bit smoother in the second year. Maybe they have a little bit better injury luck. I am going over, not overly confident, but kind of like what you were just getting at, Chip. I don't know if it's really a reflection of my belief in the Sooners as a team or is it the schedule that they're facing? Because this is compared to what you're going to face in the Big 12 or could face in the Big 12, like you're saying. It's it's relatively soft. I do think that SMU game could be tricky, but I think they're going 3-0 and in non-con. I think they're beating Cincinnati on the road because I don't have the highest you know opinion of the Bearcats this year. Iowa State at home should be a win. I, I would have them losing to Texas. UCF at home should be a win. Kansas on the road could be tricky. I don't know. Oklahoma State on the road could be tricky. West Virginia at home, that's not a concern to me. It's I got him 10 and 2. I don't feel great about it. Like it's a just the slightest edge over 9 and 3. I look, because I took Texas over, I'm I'm going to take Oklahoma under. I mean, they 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 play each other. It's very difficult for both of these teams to go over because somebody is is automatically catching a loss in that game. I totally agree with Tom about the schedule. Like if, if they Nine I think and they three because they're playing the exact opposite schedule. Like mm-hmm. there is no Kansas well, State, there is no Baylor, there is no Texas Tech. Those are like three of the top six teams in the conference, and you're instead trading those out for the teams that Texas wishes it was playing at the very bottom of the conference. Like I, I it is it is Texas that faces the tougher Big Twelve schedule than Oklahoma. Texas, who I think is better, but I think that these two teams could end up playing for the Big Twelve title unless there's some funky tiebreak where a Kansas State, a TCU, or a Baylor ends up having also a seven and two record. The the per, the depth chart, when I was looking at it, I was like, I don't know these guys. I, I do not think that the overall talent level is up to the standard of Oklahoma football when they were running off Big 12 title after Big 12 title. But a team that is not up to that standard could end up playing for the Big 12 title just because I do think that they're going to be looking at wins against Cincinnati, Iowa State, UCF, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and BYU. Like I it's, you look up and you're like, okay, well, I guess the Sooners are 10 and 2. And I, I don't feel great about it, but I do think that it's the, the sensible play when they're going to be a double digit favorite against half the teams on their conference schedule. I, I, I agree with that. Um, 
I mean, like what you're saying is that there could be kind of a hollow 10 and two here. Yes. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I think nine and three is more likely than, than, than 10 and two. Um, I think there are some downside risk with this team. Last year, they had really good offensive line depth, right? This year, they're very thin. If they, we, we talked about Florida to open the show. If they get hurt on the O line, they're probably in real trouble. I think, I think you see, or, or I think, excuse me, Oklahoma uh, is as well if, if they sustain some early injuries. Can you guys name any receivers on Oklahoma's team? Jaleel Farouk. And I think yeah. that's it. As far as like, and, and, and Drake Stoops is back. Oh, uh, yeah. Know, and who's... Sure. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, you're really betting on these receivers emerging. Second year in the offense at gelling. Venables getting the defense right in year two. I think the defense will improve with continuity, understanding the scheme better. He does throw a lot at them. I, I don't think he spoon-fed him last year. Not really sure they have that many difference makers on defense, to be honest. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go under for Oklahoma, but just barely. I mean, I, I'm like barely over on Texas and barely under on Oklahoma. These are not like bettable edges for me right now. I'm in the same boat as Bud. Um, like, are we really at the point where we trust Oklahoma? I think they're favored in 11 games out mm-hmm. of the 12. But are we really at a point coming off a year where they were, you know, six and seven? To where we're like, oh, we're just all of a sudden going to go back to trusting them in a lot of these games that they maybe should win. I'm not there yet. I mean, I think if nine and three, I think I still think you're pretty. I mean, by Oklahoma standards, I don't think you're celebrating, but you're like, okay, we can at least feel a lot better. Venables is going into the SEC with some momentum. Like, I still think nine and three is a good year. I also think there's some teams on there too, like TCU. I, TCU was one with me. I still think TCU is kind of getting disrespected, and maybe it's because of what we saw against Georgia. I still think they're a really good team. I think they're going to be a tough out. I think that's a game, even though it is uh, in Norman, could be a tricky one for them. Because um, I was trying to find the three losses. Like, all right, if you think they're going to be nine and three, then you got to go there. I think Texas gave them the win. Um, the other one was Oklahoma State, like Bedlam, rivalry game in Stillwater. I think that could be tricky. You know, I don't know if it's a given yet where you're just like, yeah, they'll be favored. Uh, and then I had TCU as the third loss. So, but even like saying them out loud, I'm like, if they are nine and three, it might come from like totally different places where you're like, I didn't see that coming. That's probably the more likely way you get to nine and three. Well, yeah, I just, I'm not at a place to trust them you know, for 10 wins. There's like great. a zombie BYU team lurking in Provo with that late, like maybe it's totally. a four, you know, four win BYU team. They're not going to a bowl game, but here comes Oklahoma and they just care way, way more than Oklahoma does in that late season spot like that. That that's definitely how the, the over ends up going. And actually like to, to peel back the curtain on, on my process with this one, you know, we, I, I like to go through team by team, you know, as we're doing them here on the podcast, you know, just to make sure that I've got a little bit more depth. Sometimes we get asked to pick some over-unders before we get to it. I was uh, asked to do Oklahoma's win total on CBS Sports HQ about a week and a half ago. I sent back to the producer under because I just looked at the team and I was like, no chance. And then I found myself having to defend it with a schedule on the screen. And I was like, no, nope, never mind. Can't find three losses. We're pulling <laughs> over. The schedule's too easy. And that's that's where I'm... I'm with you. Like, Bud, you said it right. I think it's probably a hollow 10-win team if I'm cashing my ticket and hitting that just right. It's not a quality 10-win team. It just happens to be the schedule that they faced. One more quick thing here, too, like vibe-wise. Like, Andrew mentioned it in the comments. He asked if we had any thoughts on Venables having some strong sound bites the last few weeks, like taking the shots at Dion and Mario. And based on what I know of Brent Venables, it's really not his kind of approach to be kind of brash and out there and cocky. The fact that he is, do we take that as a tip-off to how he feels about his team this year? Just say it. Maybe. Um, I mean, he's got to feel better than he did last year. I know, but I'm just saying, I think he feels like he's got something cooking this year. They almost beat the Knolls. Yeah. 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 Like, that game flips. With a bunch of backups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that game flips with, like, a couple different plays, and vibes are maybe in different places for both of those teams if – if Florida State doesn't come out with the narrow 38-35 win, I I like something that Danny mentioned uh, several weeks ago where just sort of in the back of your mind, you're like, all right, so Dylan Gabriel's got injury history. What if Jackson Arnold comes in and is the truth? 
that's yeah. Dylan, I'm not sure Gabriel's getting his job back if Jackson Arnold comes Same. in. Same. Like Wally um, pipped. I mean, that yeah, that could absolutely happen, and he could come in and take it by fire, and then you're just different, different feeling about Oklahoma football, both for the immediate and long range, if uh if it does end up being that kind of storyline. All right, 60 seconds or less. Stop me when this sounds crazy to you. I got I'm gonna paint you a path for Oklahoma to go to the playoff. Okay. Arkansas State still sucks. SMU still can't play any defense. Oklahoma gives up some points, but they you know they beat them like 50 to 38. Tulsa lost a ton. Cincinnati lost a ton. Iowa State, we have at in Norman, and we have no idea who's playing for Iowa State still, right? With, with, with the they have not announced any of the gambling suspensions, if any are coming, but common sense. Texas doesn't live up to expectations. Are we that crazy yet? Nope. We've seen this movie before. UCF in Norman at Kansas, which didn't belong on the field with OU last year, and Oklahoma crushed them at Oklahoma State late in the year. Like, are we sure Gundy's boys got it together? West Virginia. Is Neil Brown fired by then? This is this game is in Norman at BYU, a team which has very questionable depth and a pretty questionable defense. Host TCU to end the year. Like, they lose to Texas in the rematch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I, I can see it, but like, well, yeah, there's yeah, definitely yeah. a path if they yeah. play it. Yeah, there's like a, a non-zero chance. Level, yeah, yeah. That's that's just some good social clip right there. I mean, <laughs> I'll say this: I think twelve and zero is more likely than five and seven. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. So it's like, it's yeah. fascinating. Uh, look, how many games are going to win this fall? Is the question for Gus Malzahn and the UCF Knights? As they enter the Big 12, Caesars has the over-under win total at around 7, minus 115 to each side. Uh, We've got Kent State, which lost its entire coaching staff and all of its players to other Power 5 programs as the opener. Uh, Then at Boise State, that could get a little bit tricky for UCF. And then Jay Wright's Villanova Wildcats coming to town on September 16th. At Kansas State to open up Big 12 play. Baylor at home at Kansas. Off week on October 14th. Return for the final six games. uh, Off a bye at Oklahoma on October 21st. West Virginia at home at Cincinnati. Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. And then Houston at home to close the year. Bud, what's the the neighborhood group chat thinking about uh, about UCF and uh, and where we're going to be going on this win total? I'm going to go over. I, I I think eight is more likely than six, right? Like this is not something I'm rushing to the window to slam, but you get Plumlee back. They, they, they do have a new offensive coordinator. Defense lost a little bit to the portal, but not a, a ton of stuff. I think the offensive line should be okay. They still have some playmakers on the outside. And, and of the new teams, I think they are most equipped to handle what will be uh, – on their Big 12 schedule. But the schedule, as Chip mentioned, is tricky. They do. They are one of the teams that has five conference road games as opposed to four. Kansas State, Kansas, Oklahoma, Cincy, Texas Tech, all on the road. Uh, one and four, certainly a, a very uh, an outcome that's going to happen quite often against that slate. But I, I do like them uh, in, in their home games quite a bit here. You know, Kent State, Villanova, Baylor, West Virginia, Oak State, and Houston. I mean, I think they're either – Clear favorite or very small dog in uh, in in those ball games. So, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go over. Don't love it, but I do think eight is more likely than six. And we call it the Cover Three Podcast, not the Push Three Podcast. So we got to we got to pick. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but don't you feel like seven and five seems super likely? I yeah. think seven and five comes up a ton. Yeah, yeah. I'm pushed to under. I think it's going to be tough. I think that those road games are difficult. Um, while the, I don't know what the betting line would be, or I, I, I guess I probably could have looked it up since you know Danny's got all the stats. Sounds like nearly every game has has a betting line going into it. But I think that Kansas is probably position well positioned to be a really difficult road trip in a way that we're not a used to imagining going to play Kansas is going to be a difficult road trip. Uh, when you do draw the the Kansas States, when you do draw some of those other spots, just the, the newness of it. I mean, it's crazy that these teams that were used to competing for conference championships in the American Athletic Conference, they jump into the Big 12 and they just sink to the bottom of the odds board. 
I mean, what what does that say about the fact that this is probably a bigger step up in competition than a lot of people realized? And I think that within the grind of conference play, it's like, sorry, man, like you don't you don't have Tulsa. Like you don't have uh, a lot of those games where the team that you were playing was legitimately a bottom half of FBS type team and getting that as a conference game. So I, I think that within the back half of the schedule, we could see a couple losses at Boise state. That game's just so weird and maybe a little bit tricky that, you know, maybe that's where this one swings. But I, I think six and six is more likely than eight and four, seven and five seems the most likely to me though, but I will lean under. I, this was a tough one. I'm leaning with chip. Um, as much as I like, I think the story of John Rice Plumley's awesome spring football. He's running back and forth to play baseball. He's a converted wide receiver who's playing quarterback, but he's still a converted wide receiver playing quarterback. And, you know, I called their game against FIU, uh, FAU. It was just after the Louisville game, which they kind of crapped the bed and probably should have won that one. But I, barring a massive leap in production as a passer, there's two things I worry about. If they run John Rice Plumley as much as they did last year, injury becomes a concern. He got banged up somewhat last year. So I think that's a, an issue. And I think the jump is going to be you know, challenging. I was trying to go out there. I could find six wins. I was trying to find seven and get to the push. I didn't feel great about that. And then I was like, man, can I talk myself into a signature win against Kansas State, Baylor, or Oklahoma State? Those were kind of, I was like, I don't know, not in year one. I think seven and five is probably the the most likely outcome, but I'm going to go under as well. I've got six and six as being slightly more likely than seven and five. Oh, pretty comfortable. Oh, so you're hard under here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, we've, you guys have gone over the road schedule and it, it is tough. Like Boise, Kansas state, Kansas, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Texas tech. Like I think they're probably going one and four in those five games, but more than that, it's not just who they're playing. It's the sequencing of the schedule. If you look, they're traveling every other week. There are no two home games in a row. There is no rest. They're starting at home. Then they have to fly from Orlando to Boise. Then that's a long trip. They have to come back from Boise. They play Villanova. Then they're on the road again to face Kansas. Then they come home for a week. Then they're back on the road again to Kansas. So they're making that same trip twice in three weeks. Then they get the bye. And then they're on the road again to Oklahoma. Come home for Mount West Virginia. Then you're on the road again to Cincinnati. Home for Oklahoma State. Then you're flying back to Lubbock to play Texas Tech. And then you come home. So it's like every week, every other week, they're getting in a plane. And they're taking a long flight and a long trip. And I just think that kind of sequencing over the course of the year, you're stepping up in competition and the travel sequencing of it. Like, Danny, you mentioned the injuries. Like, they're going to be facing bigger dudes than they were facing for a lot of weeks in the AAC. Let's be real. Like, there are good teams in the American, but the bottom of that conference isn't exactly full of giant, huge dudes. Everybody in the Big 12 is big. Everybody is strong. Everybody is fast. So I think that kind of travel sequencing and then just the wear and tear and the step up in competition. And like we've talked about with Plumlee, he's a former wide receiver who's playing quarterback that kind of limits what you can do offensively. I just, I, I, I don't think they're going to be terrible, but I just think seven and five is asking a lot from their, from in their first year in the big 12. I mean, look, we, we know Plumlee can't throw. There's no mystery to this. We've known it since high school. Like he's not a good passer of the football. He's just, the best athlete on the field on most days, regardless of position. And I mean, Malzahn took a team that was led by a cornerback mm-hmm. to the national title game a, a, about a decade ago. So I, I, I don't know. Like I, I don't love some of these some of these Big Twelve teams that that they're playing. Sequencing wise, I do agree with, with Tom. I, I'm not trying to have the last word here, but like, I mean, is Dana fired by the time Houston comes to Orlando? Oh, dude, they no. might get uh, West Virginia and Houston coaches. And, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Exactly. I have, I've, I've got them winning those games even with Neil and Dana, though. Yeah. Okay. Oof. Yeah, they have to have those. Yeah, it's the other games that you would get. I mean, look, and you win Boise those games. State's a tricky little game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not an automatic. I gave them a win, but I didn't feel great about it. Yeah. The, yeah boys uh, but better last year. I'll tell you what, UCF, the only team with the win total that suggests the odds makers are projecting a bowl season. Will Cincinnati, Houston, or BYU get over and make it into the postseason? We'll get into that and more next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast where we are asking the question, how many games are going to win this fall? Scott Satterfield. 
taking over the Cincinnati Bearcats. Luke Fickle off to Wisconsin. Scott Satterfield is inheriting a program that is used to competing for championships and winning a whole bunch of games. So that five as a win total, currently at Caesar Sportsbook at over and under minus 115 each way. It's a little bit alarming. Well, the non-conference schedule at least starts favorably. Eastern Kentucky on September 2nd. But then you go to Pitt, return back with Miami, Ohio at home. Big 12 schedule opens up with Oklahoma at home. Then you go to BYU on a short turnaround Friday night in Provo. Yikes. Iowa State at home after an off week in uh, mid-October. Then Baylor at home at Oklahoma State. UCF at home at Houston, at West Virginia. Hey, maybe double interim right there for uh, the Bearcats. And then Kansas at home to close the season. Bud, what are we doing with the Emory Jones-led Cincinnati Bearcats? Yeah, I I, I don't see a bowl here. Uh, I I do think five comes up pretty often. I'm going to go ahead and go under on this number. I I don't trust Emory Jones. I I don't think he's a a good football player. Uh, I am very concerned that you had the head coach jump to P5, raid the roster, and then you, a G5 program, jump to P5 uh, combo here. Remember what we talked about, how Cincinnati does not have NIL money to play with. I read into that. I think there's signal to that as far as what you can go do in the transfer portal. Most of these schools that are killing the transfer portal are just they're paying up. Cincinnati, I don't think was able to do so. And I, I, I mean, I, at Pitt to me is really tough. Oklahoma has a home game. If Oklahoma's what we think it is, that's really tough. At BYU on short rest, that's not not easy to do. Iowa State, if they have suspensions coming, may have those guys back by that time of the year. We don't know. Uh, I, I'd rather get Iowa State early this year than late. I mean, Baylor's not not an easy win at home. I don't want to just read off the schedule here, but I, I think they have uh, real depth concerns on the offensive line. Uh, you know, receiver, they lost an absolute ton. I mean, Tucker and Scott were, were difference makers. Go watch that East Carolina game last year. ECU on a down-to-down basis was far better than Cincinnati, I thought. And Cincinnati hits k- kick return, two like 70-yard screen touchdowns and then a bomb to, to Scott. It was like a five-play thing, and Cincinnati win, win, wins the game. Like th- That was sort of their easy button, and now they're hitting the easy – like, oh, no, there is no more easy button. So I'm I'm under on this team. I, I don't think Scott Satterfield's a bad coach. I just think that this is going to be a, a little more challenging than the, what they've seen recently in the American. For me, this one's pretty simple, honestly. Like, you look at that non-con of Eastern Kentucky at Pitt and Miami. They're going two and one. So you're asking yourself, can they win four Big 12 games? I don't think they can. Like, I I think five and seven is probably the most likely outcome, but I've got four and eight being a lot more likely than six and six. So I am going under here, but you mentioned a lot of the questions I have about it, the new coach, new staff, all that stuff coming in. They lost a lot of players from the team that was in the playoff two years ago. I don't quite know what they're going to look like talent level-wise. The step up in competition that I mentioned with UCF. Like, I do think they're pro- I have them losing that BYU game because, like you said, on the road, a short week, a week after Oklahoma, good luck. But I do think getting Iowa State coming off a bye is very good for them. I think that is winnable. I think Baylor at home is winnable. But the other thing, too, like, Chip, you mentioned the, you know, the interim coach, like, back-to-back possibly with Houston and West Virginia. That's great. But they're both on the road. So it, it kind of adds, like, a whole entire level of difficulty to it. So, yeah, I don't have high hopes for the Bearcats in year one. I'm, I'm pushed to under here. Same. Um, for a lot of the same reasons, too. I mean, only three guys returning from offense. I mean, think they were in the playoffs a couple years ago. I had nine players drafted off this team. They had a mass exodus with Fickle leaving. It's like a completely different roster, and it's not great. Quarterback, yeah, you get some stability because he's a veteran, but I don't think he excites any of us about what he could do. I think it's got to be under. Yeah, He's probably five and seven, but I think – uh, it's going to be under. I will say I would not bet this at Caesars at this number. Like there, there are multiple five and a halfs out there, juiced minus one thirty, one thirty five. Like back of the napkin math, if you use a sixty or seventy as far as like you know, the, the cost for going for a half win, you know, like that's a much better value to take the five and a half. And because we think five and seven comes up so often, like it's probably worth 
paying a small premium if you do want to bet this under. Like I would definitely not bet this number. Yeah, it was so funny. We went through the Pac-12, and a lot of us were like, man, these totals and these prices, they all seem fair. We get to the bottom of this, and it is bananas. Um, yeah. Even like, it, you know, I pulled them from you know, Caesars, New Jersey, sort of my go-to to pull, and I think that even I'm off by like a half win and some prices from the market. Just total fluctuation on what I think we can agree are just big old shrug marks for a lot of the expectations for how it's going to go for these newcomers in the Big 12. Count them up! Dana Holgerson and the Houston Cougars. They begin with a non-conference schedule that is not advantageous to Dana Holgerson remaining the head coach at Houston, especially as things get a lot tougher in the conference. UTSA at home. Then, what's up, JT Daniels? They also are going to be going to play Rice. Uh, Then TCU at home. And then... Sam Houston. So that's the conference opener against TCU on September 16th. And then Sam Houston, our new friends from Conference USA, uh, there to round out the non-conference schedule at Texas Tech on September 30th, a week off on the 7th. Thunderdome game on a Thursday night. West Virginia and Houston on a Thursday night. Two coaches enter. One leaves. Then after that, that game. It's going to be – we're going to live blog that game, oh Tom. Oh, my God, yes. Instant yes, reaction yes, yes. pod after that game. Uh, Texas at home on October 21st at Kansas State, at Baylor, Cincinnati at home, Oklahoma State at home, at UCF. Um, this is I'm, – I'm looking – this was another one where it looked – like in the dock, we've got it changed back and forth. I'm looking at Houston right now with a round five over plus 130, under minus 160. I think there's some four and a halfs out there where the plus and the minus money is is flipped just a little bit. Um, what, Where are we going with the Cougs here in 2023? Under. Yeah. Pretty confident in it. It's like that non-con you mentioned UTSA they could lose that game very easily UTSA is a very good team at Rice they're going to win i think probably maybe um TCU that's a loss and then there's that Sam Houston game like Sam Houston is a good FCS program that's making the jump up and there's just like the whole alpha beta thing because Houston is a school named after a city and the city is named after the man they're playing so that could be a problem for them uh Texas Tech on the road very tough they have to win that West Virginia game to even have a chance of sniffing this over. But even after the West Virginia game, that run of Texas, Kansas State, and at Baylor is going to be very tough. You get kind of a soft landing for homecoming against Cincinnati. But again, what are the odds Dana is even coaching the team at that point based on how I think the first eight games are going to go? Just it is, it is a tough schedule for Houston in a tough situation, and they lose a lot of key players from last year's team. I just see there is a very high chance of not giving a poop over the second half of the schedule because things start off slow and everybody just kind of checks out. So I have to go under. Same. I'm I'm fading most of these um, newcomers. And I think the jump is going to be hard. I think the win totals tell you that. And I'm with you guys. I think that I think it's going to be one of those. Where is this team mentally in the back end of the season? And if you have a feeling like your coach is on the way out, you're probably going to throw in the towel and the effort's not going to be great. Yeah, under. I'm, I I see so many spots where this goes south for the Cougs, and it is, it is going to present an interesting dynamic for a university which, as they were you know, sending Major Applewhite out the door, they were saying, like, nine wins ain't enough. Okay. All right. Let's uh let, let's see what happens. Uh, I hope those those checks are are worth the losses. In the words of uh, Bud Elliott, I, I, I will say again: if you guys are down, Jordan, put it on the schedule for Thursday night, October twelfth. I am willing to do a live reaction show to the West Virginia Houston game that night. Donovan Smith, all right, at the quarterback position, has given. Are us, we sure he's good? Yeah, I was, was no. going to say he has given us right. some highs. He has but he also numbers. gave us a lot of picks. Yeah, a lot of lows, a lot of lows as well. I just, I've, I've, of these, uh, of the newcomer quarterbacks, it's not a great group. John Rice Plumley, Emory Jones. I mean, Keaton Slovis, we're about to get to in a second, is probably the, the best of the one who I have the most confidence in. 
right? Yeah. He said restrained <laughs> in his voice. I think Plumley, honestly. Yeah, I like, like I, I know what I'm, I'm going to get with his legs. I, I, I know it. Okay. So at least I know he can make something happen when stuff breaks down. But yeah, it's it's a tough scene. I, Count him up. Go under here as well. Oh yeah, under. Oh sorry, bud. Didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. Yeah, yeah, exact same reasons. I'm going to take under. All right. Rounding out the newcomers with BYU. Uh, there are some fives out there. I saw four and a half at minus 180 to the over uh, on Caesars this morning. The under at minus 115 or plus 115 probably. Uh, BYU starts the season against Sam Houston. Then they get Southern Utah at home. Then they go play at Arkansas. Big 12 play opens up on September 23rd at Kansas. Short turnaround to go play Cincinnati on a Friday night, off week on October 7th. Return to action on the 14th at TCU. Texas Tech at home at Texas at West Virginia. Iowa State at home. Oklahoma at home at Oklahoma State. We mentioned Keaton Slovis as he comes in to uh, take over the role of being BYU's quarterback. Kalani Sataki, after a little bit of a, a rough go early in his tenure, found a little bit of stability and consistency. It wasn't just the one year with Zach Wilson and the pandemic-shortened year, but you know, being able to roll off you know, some eight, ten, you know, nine-win seasons along the way allowed for BYU's move to the Big 12 to be sold as a really good addition for the conference as they look to really bolster their membership. Provo is going to be a unique road trip for a lot of these teams. But outside of that, this is going to be tough to trade out some of those non-con games. As an independent, every game is a non-con game. But some of those games that BYU scheduled just to be able to get to 12 were just so much easier than the Mm -hmm. games that BYU is going to face here in the Big 12 Danny, where are you at with BYU? So I told you I was fading most of the newcomers. BYU, I am buying into an over on this one. I think the home field is huge. Um, Just altitude, atmosphere, environment. I also think there's something to – like of all these teams playing in the American or playing in BYU's independent schedule, which one do you think played tougher competition on an annual basis? BYU and Notre Dame, but yeah. I would say BYU. I would say BYU played a tougher schedule than the American teams yes. on an annual basis. Yeah, because BYU yeah. won the Pac-12 yeah. South. Right. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I, think I think their gap and the jump they have to make is not as significant. I also think there's an advantage too to having a lot of older, you know, upperclassmen, uh, 23, 24. 35 year old fathers of two. <laughs> yes. I think there is an advantage to that. Um I like the over here. I like it a lot. I think Keaton Slovis is going to be uh, – I think he's a guy who's going to – I would push back on the John Rice Plumley. Agree. I totally see what you're saying. I think Bud said I'm buying into his legs. But I think Keaton Slovis as a passer is still pretty talented with what he can do. Of all the units on these new teams that are coming into the league, I may be the most confident in BYU's offense because I think they can block. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they have, they're pretty good up front. Slovis should be at least okay. I think they're okay at the skill positions. I'm not very confident that the defensive transfers they took are massive improvements, but I think just with some positive regression for health, the defense could take a step forward this year. Even if I don't really love these transfers, like they were really banged up last year. There were times where it's like, who the hell is this guy that, that, that's playing in this game? Like, Look at the you know second half against East Carolina. Some of those dudes they had playing, or even the Utah State game when Utah State ran with them, really the entire time they, they were just down to sort of the the, the bottom of the barrel of their roster. Uh, I'm going to go over slightly here. I, I think four and a half is the number you know for picking on the show. You kind of have to play it over. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over. Not sure to make a bowl, but I, I think five is more likely than four. I'm pushed over if we're doing the five and I'm out definitely over. It's the four and a half. Like Danny, you mentioned the difficulty of going to Provo and playing, and that's a very real thing. Like if you, if you look at their non-con, they're going two and one, they're going to lose that Arkansas game in all likelihood, but you look at their home schedule in the big 12 and it's a tough place to play for anybody, but it's also as far as kind of like what you're looking for, for your home schedule, this is as good as BYU could probably hope for in most seasons. You get Cincinnati, you get Texas Tech, you get Iowa State and Oklahoma. Of those four games, 
Oklahoma is the only one where you don't really feel super confident about, but even that one is not exactly a impossible task for the Cougs, especially at the end of the year if Oklahoma is banged up. So I feel like they could do very well in that home slate. I feel like they could steal a win on the road against West Virginia, maybe, or even at Kansas. And maybe who knows what Oklahoma State looks like at that very final game of the regular season. Maybe you sneak a win there. So I think six wins is very much in the picture for BYU. I think it's far more likely than four wins. So I, I'm going with over on this one. Yeah, this is um, this is a spot where we get to see that BYU has been building like some real consistency. We just had uh, a coaching change at Cincinnati that was, you know, in, incredibly dramatic, especially as the roster went with it. We've got a coach that's on the hot seat in Dana Holgerson at Houston. Gus Malzahn still kind of getting things going. I, I just think that the fact that the machine is up and running, they know exactly who they are. There are no questions about what the expectations are. It's got to give BYU a little bit of an advantage. I do not see four and eight, so I would be over on the four and a half. And I do think that I do I do think that there is a wouldn't it be hilarious win against Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma bound for the college football playoff comes into Provo and just gets punched in the mouth mm -hmm. over and over and over again. I, I think it could be there. So uh, I am on the over as well. We will be back to round out the Big 12 on Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Come and check that out. It'll be the other teams, the eight of them, that all are sticking around. They're the true OGs of the Big 12. They'll be a part of the league's future. Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, we'll be giving you uh, some ACC Media Days takeaways. So be sure to hang out for that. And you can't. Follow him on Twitter at Tom Brunell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. It's See you. X now, not Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>